Our first scripture this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 37, verses 1 through 28. And I will translate the names as I am able. Jacob lived in the country where his father had resided, the country of Canaan. This is Jacob's line. Joseph, when he was 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. Joseph brought bad criticism of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph above all his sons because he was the son of his old age. He made an ornamented coat for him. His brothers saw that their father loved him above all his brothers, and they became hostile to him and couldn't speak peaceably to him. Joseph had a dream and told his brothers, and they were yet more hostile to him. He said to them, please listen to this dream that I've had. There we were binding sheaves in the middle of the fields. There my sheaf got up, yes, stood, and there your sheaves were gathering around and bowing low to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you really to reign over us? Or are you really to rule over us? They were yet more hostile to him because of his dreams, because of his words. He had another dream and recounted it to his brothers. Here, I had another dream. There, the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. He recounted it to his father and his brothers. And his father reprimanded him and said to him, What's this dream you've had? Are we really to come, I and your mother and your brothers, to bow low to the ground to you? So his brothers were jealous of him, while his father kept the thing in mind. His brothers went to pasture their father's flock in Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing at Shechem, aren't they? Come on, I'll send you to them. He said to him, Here I am. So he said to him, Go and see if things are well with your brothers, and if things are well with the flocks. Please, and bring back word to me. He sent him from, Heb from the Hebron Vale, and he came to Shechem. A man found him there. He was wandering about in the fields. The man asked him, What are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for my brothers. Do tell me, please, where they're pasturing. The man said, They've moved on from here, because I heard them say, Let's go to Doton. Joseph followed his brothers and found them at Doton. They saw him from a distance, and before he got near them, they plotted to put him to death. They said one to another, Here, that master of dreams is coming. So now, come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns. We'll say a bad animal ate him. We'll see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard them and rescued him from their hand. He said, We won't take his life, Reuben said to them. Don't shed his blood. Throw him into this cistern that's in the wilderness. Don't lay a hand on him in order that he might rescue him from their hand and give him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped Joseph of his coat, the ornamented coat that was on him, and took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. They sat down to eat bread, but lifted their eyes and looked. There a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, their camels carrying spices, balm, and myrrh, going to take them down to Misraim, that is Egypt. 
Judah said to his brothers, What's the gain when we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites, our hands. They shouldn't be on him because he is our brother, our flesh. His brothers listened. So the Midianite men, traders passed by and they pulled and got Joseph up out of the cistern. They sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 silver pieces and they brought Joseph to Egypt. And Genesis chapter 50 Verse 20. Joseph says, Whereas you yourselves thought up something bad for me, God thought it up for good in order to act today to keep alive a numerous people. And then if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This was how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place. His mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they came together, she turned out to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband-to-be, was an upright man. He didn't want to make a public example of her, so he decided to set the marriage aside privately. But while he was considering this, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream. Joseph! Son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to get married to Mary. The child she is carrying is from the Holy Spirit. She is going to have a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He is the one who will save his people from their sins. All this happened so that what the Lord said through the prophet might be fulfilled. Look, the virgin is pregnant and will have a son, and they shall give him the name Emmanuel, which means in translation, God with us. When Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did what the Lord's angel had told him to. He married his wife, but he didn't have sexual relations with her until after the birth of her son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And lastly, chapter 2 of Matthew, verses 13 through 15. After the Magi had gone, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and hurry off to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. Herod is going to hunt for the child to kill him. So he got up and took the child and his mother by night and went off to Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod. This happened to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. This is the word of God for the people of God. As I titled this message, I titled it Living Living the Dream, but I thought about a subtitle I could have given it, and that is A Tale of Two Josephs. And you'll see why here in a bit. I've met folks before that as I approached them to visit with them, I could tell that they were tired, overworked, and maybe a bit overwhelmed. When I would ask them how they were doing, they might respond with something that sounded a little bit like this. Oh me, I'm just living the dream right here. With no lack of sarcasm in their voices. I think that for many of us, probably most of us, there have been things, events, circumstances that have come along in our lives that we were simply not expecting that caught us blind 
And though we have coped and we've gained a new sense of normal, they needless to say complicated our lives at least just a little bit. So when someone responds with, I'm just living the dream, I can guess that life has gotten complicated for them, as it often does. One of the great things about the Bible, if you read it, both in the Old and the New Testament, is that the lives of the heroes therein are not what we would think of as ideal. Moses does not experience an easy and uneventful tenure as Israel's prophet, judge, and priest. He is constantly dealing with a cantankerous people, and he has to intercede for them before God, uh, who is ready to do away with them, is a polite way to put it, and start the salvation plan over with Moses, which would not have been a total reboot of the plan of salvation, since Moses himself is, in fact, a son of Abraham. But Moses intercedes for the people and God stays his hand. David's life was almost the definition of complicated. And those called to be prophets, if you read about the prophets in the Old Testament, needed to also be all-star track runners since they were going to have whole nations out for their skins. Now we as human beings, especially in Western culture, I think it's just human nature in general, we tend to try to avoid complicated. We don't like complicated. Complicated is complicated. It makes things difficult. It makes things uneasy. We want an easy life. We like things to be simple. But what we find in Scripture is that God oftentimes uses the complications of life to do the very work of salvation that has been the story of creation from the beginning. To put it another way, John Lennon, in a song that he wrote for his son Sean when he was a boy, says this, Life is what happens while you are busy making other plans. The best laid plans of mice and men often go awry, but as we shall see, God uses life's complications to accomplish quite amazing things. So I'm going to do a little bit of a recap of both of our Josephs today. Our first Joseph, Old Testament Joseph, is a dreamer. He dreamed that he would rule over his entire family, that he would be the greatest of them. He's a little bit egotistical. He gets his brothers irritated at him, even as his father is somewhat irritated at him. And so in retaliation, his brothers first think about killing him, but then they decide to sell him to Egypt. When he gets to Egypt, he becomes a good servant. In fact, he's the best servant in the household that he sold to. But he gets lied on by a tarp and he goes to prison. While he's in prison, he becomes a model prisoner. He's put in charge of the prison. He interprets the dreams of his fellow prisoners and does quite well, but he gets forgotten in prison. Now, if we turn for a moment to New Testament Joseph, he is also a dreamer. Undoubtedly, he probably dreamed 
that he would have a simple, quiet life with Mary. That would have been, I am sure, in his original plan, would have been very uncomplicated and quite boring. Boring is good. He probably planned to work, raise a family, and follow God. But his fiancée gets pregnant, and he knows that it's not his because, well, he would know. And he has a dream. So again, we have a Joseph that is dreaming that the baby is God in the flesh. He goes ahead and he marries Mary like he is told. Now he has to go to Bethlehem because an egotistical emperor wants to count heads, has another dream from an angel, and now he has to go to Egypt. We end up with both Josephs that are both dreamers and both end up in Egypt. I don't think that's an accident. Two Josephs, both dreamers, both have lives that get very complicated, both end up in Egypt. Now, we don't get to hear much from Joseph in the Bible, at least New Testament Joseph, that is. Old Testament Joseph, we hear quite a bit. But New Testament Joseph, we get very little about this man. We know this. He was a laborer. He was a righteous man. He was a considerate man. And he was a man of action. Joseph is entirely voiceless in Scripture. We do not really get to hear a single thing that he has to say. We do not get a recorded word from this man. Look at how we tend to do our nativity scenes. Mary and the baby are up front and center as they should be. Wise men and shepherds tend to approach from the front. Angels up above. And where is Joseph typically? Usually quietly standing somewhere behind Mary and the baby, quiet and just watching. He's sometimes treated as a passive character in the drama unfolding by some, and yet it is Joseph's ability to act on God's instruction that will save the lives of his wife and his son. I'm sure that in real life Joseph had a lot to say. Uh, there is a modern uh, telling of the story of the nativity that's quite good called the nativity story. If you haven't seen it, it's very good. Uh, Oscar Isaacs plays Joseph. And one of my favorite scenes in that movie is as he and Mary are getting ready to leave to go to Bethlehem. Everybody in town is kind of looking at them as they leave and giving them the stink eye. And he says to Mary, he says, I think they're going to miss us when we're gone. In other words, meaning I think they're going to miss talking about us. While we are gone, I am sure that Joseph had thoughts on what was going on around him. There is a modern Christian Christmas song. I believe it is called Joseph's Song, not Joseph's Lullaby, but Joseph's Song. And it is the nativity story from Joseph's perspective. And the chorus is Joseph wondering, why her? Why him? Why here? Why me? This is a strange way. To save the world. And I like that. As a man. As a dad. And I think I can speak for the collective daddom in the world. That if I was Joseph. I think this is what would be going through my head. Here he has dealt with a surprise baby. Before the marriage license was signed. 
neighbors and family back home that inevitably thought Joseph had had an oops when he knew that he hadn't. And he also knew that this baby was very special, even though all outward appearances said otherwise. And now he is going to have to make a run to Egypt, of all places, the place of slavery. Life has certainly gotten complicated for Joseph in the New Testament, just as it had become complicated for his namesake from the Old Testament. But here's something interesting. Though I am sure that both Josephs had their opportunities to ask God why, and I'm sure they did ask God why, do they fold up their arms and give up simply because life got complicated and hard? No, they didn't. What do they do? They remember and they listen to the dreams God has given them. They obey God when it would have made more sense to make a run for it. And as I said, here is the kicker. Both end up in Egypt because of their dreams in order to preserve the promise that God had made to humanity. Because when Joseph is finally ruling over Egypt and his brothers come to him and are afraid, he says, don't feel bad. What you meant for bad, God has used for all of our good. God uses life's little complications to do amazing things. Did you have a picture in your mind of how your life would be and then did it get complicated? Have you hit points in your life where you wonder, I don't know what you're up to, God? I get it. Life isn't easy. It's a mess sometimes. But in this Christmas season, I challenge you to look at the complications in your life and then ask yourself, what might you have missed out on if life had not gotten complicated? What blessings might you have missed out on if life had not gotten complicated? See, you don't get to have the mountaintop view without the long walk up. You don't get to be part of God's plan of salvation without things getting a bit complicated. Let's face it, whether we like it or not, life is complicated. But when we trust God in the complication, he can do amazing things. And then we'll be able to say, not in sarcasm, but in truth, we really are living the dream. Amen.